0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Hold your Bibles to heaven with me and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. According to the word, change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. Mean that from the heart, and indeed you will change. Uh, We're talking about growing up spiritually, or growing spiritually, developing in our spiritual lives. You know, you can grow and develop physically, we understand that. We can grow and develop mentally and emotionally, we understand that. But it's also true that we can grow up spiritually. And sometimes that's hard for people to relate to. You say physically, if someone doesn't grow, of course, there's a problem there. Emotionally and mentally, it might be a little bit more subtle. We can grow in age. You could be 50 years old and still living in a teenage mindset. You Know what I mean? Don't don't ever grow and develop spiritually, or mentally and emotionally. But then also the same thing is true uh, spiritually. Paul said, when the time you should be teachers... You've got to be taught again. Someone to reteach you uh, the things of God. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned, understood, and we have to promote spiritual growth and development. So as we look at these verses of Scripture, I want you to see what Paul is saying and how he states that uh, the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to help people grow spiritually. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and this beginning at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why, Paul? For what reason? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. In other words, to perfect the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. For the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith unto the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Whoa. Really? That we henceforth be no more what? children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait and deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ wow what a statement the purpose of the fivefold ministry apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher is for what to help us grow spiritually so that we can be prepared to do the work that God has called us to do. To be equipped to do it. And so every one of us should make that our highest goal and aim in life. That we grow spiritually as we are in Christ. And we grow up in the Him in all things. For what reason? So that we can do the work that He's called us to do. And we all have a work. We all have a calling. We all have a ministry. It may be something that's different than other persons, but it doesn't matter what it is. The head can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. He needs every single one of us doing everything that he's called us to do. Even if you're just writing out cards to someone that might be in the service. or off to college just to remind them of their need to be faithful to their walk with God. It's important. It's impacting. It's powerful for all of us to continue to do in all of our lives. He didn't just save us so we can say, I'm saved, now I'm going to go to heaven someday. He saved us so that we can grow up into him and that we can live our lives in such a way as to fulfill his will. And remember what Jesus said before he left the earth, I have completed the work that you gave me to do. Well, what was that work? Of course, redeeming us. Now, we're going to talk about where do we begin when it comes to growing spiritually? Where do we start? Well, the best place to start is, as point one states, God is love. God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. God is love. And look at what it says. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loves not knoweth not God, for God is love. So when you're born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, There's going to be a love of God within our hearts that prompts us to love one another. And since God is love, notice, love is the essence of God's being. His every thought, every word, every action, every reaction is all motivated by love. Love. Can you imagine absolute love? Can you imagine perfect love on display and in manifestation? That was Jesus who was love personified, walking upon the earth. Everything he said, everything he did, his actions, his reactions, all were prompted or motivated by love for God and love for humanity. And that's powerful to realize. That's what you and I are supposed to grow up into. Not just to say, well, I'm a Christian and I go to church. That's wonderful. But beyond that, It's important we understand the need to grow in the love of God because God is love. And if you don't love, then you don't know God. You may be born of God, but you don't really know him intimately and personally because you see God is love. So growing in God is what? Growing in love. And when a person grows in love, that person will grow in God. Love then is to motivate every aspect of our being. Our thoughts, our words, our actions, our reactions, and what will take place if that occurs in a person's life, I guarantee you it will promote your spiritual growth and development, number one. But number two, marriages, I believe, will be strengthened and restored. I believe that relationships can be healed and restored. I believe church bodies around the world can also experience unity as he said, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, unity among all believers. Why? Because we all can identify with love. Everybody wants to be loved. Don't we want to be loved? Well, everyone wants to be loved. Well, then let's be lovers. Let's be those that love because you'll reap what you sow. If you sow love, you'll reap love. you be a giver and you give of yourself and you'll receive back what you give. And so it's imperative. It's important for us to understand that if I'm going to grow in God, I have to grow in who he is. And God is love. Not that God has love, but that God is love. And if you're born of God, then love is you loved. Well, love has an enemy. How many of you know that? Love has an enemy. And what's that enemy? Selfishness. Some people think it's hatred. It's not hatred. It's selfishness. Everybody say that out loud with me. Selfishness. That's your big enemy. It's not the devil. It's not the world. It is selfishness. Selfishness is love's enemy. Look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend above the stars. Notice, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. God gave him a special place, an office. Think about that. Perfect in all of his ways. Beautiful in all of his ways. Wonderful ministry, leading worship. Oh, and so beautiful as the Bible speaks. But you see, he didn't want to live within the boundaries that God established for his life. So what did he want? To be selfish and have it his way. To step beyond those boundaries and to do it his way. And when he did, pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. It created and caused the fall of Lucifer. And many of the angels we know followed him, etc. But the thing is, it was selfishness and pride that brought him down. It destroyed him. And I'll tell you what, it destroyed Adam as well. And Eve. Adam and Eve fell victim to it. Selfishness. She saw that tree. He pointed it out. It's good for you. It's going to make you like God. Oh my! Notice it's all being about God-like. You're going to have so much more in your life if you just do this. Selfish. She wanted more than what she had. God set boundaries for them. You can have every tree in the garden, but not that one. That one belongs to me. Don't you touch it lest you die. But of course, selfishness steps in. And what happens? The selfish nature of, of, of Lucifer's then passed down to mankind. Lucifer's fallen nature of selfishness then affects every person alive. You do not have to teach a child to be selfish. It doesn't have to be learned, it's not a learned thing. It starts very young. That's my toy, that's my cookie. Right? Not to teach that. It's there. It's the nature. It's the selfish nature of Lucifer that was passed down to Adam and Eve, which was passed down to every single one of us, born into this realm of life. And it is our biggest enemy. Well, thank God, Jesus. Jesus lived a selfless life. Jesus poured himself out. Never once did Jesus say, I want my will to be done. No, contrary. He said, your will be done not my will be done everything i do he said everything i say comes from the throne of god my father i saw do it my father said to say it and so therefore i'm not living for myself he emptied himself to become a man he then gave his life for all of us he destroyed selfishness in his own person and when he was raised up from the dead praise god he offered life For every single one of us. Why? Because he was selfless. And so to overcome selfishness, there has to be love within our hearts. And to grow in God, we have to grow in love and deal with selfishness. And you know what? I do believe it takes a lot of humility and discipline. Look at point three. Growing spiritually involves growing out of selfishness and growing in love. This is what the spiritual life is all about. Getting rid of self and getting full of God. You've heard it said, more of self, less of God. More of God, less of self. And how many of you want more of God? Then it has to be less of what? Self. Praise God. And you know what? I admire every single one of you. Here you are assisting a family to come from Venezuela. And you're giving to support what's going on. You've given of yourself to support this work over the years. And you're, I know that you'll be, without question, rewarded by God for your efforts and all that you've done. But people you don't even know, other than by acquaintance a few times here and there, you're sowing into their lives. You're giving from your heart. You're sowing seeds of love. You're not concerned about yourself. You're concerned about other people and what they've been going through in life. And you brought them here graciously. And look at what you're doing to help. See, that's love in demonstration. That's love in motion. That's living in the realm of God. Love is the realm of God, for God is love. And when you live in the realm of love, you're living in that realm of God. And that's the realm of the miraculous. And that's exactly how Jesus lived his life. That's how Brother Dale lived his life as well. Amen. Look at these verses in Colossians. Let's read them together and see some things. When it comes to growing spiritually spiritually, we've got to put off this outward man and put on the inward man. What does that mean? Don't give place. Don't be controlled and motivated by the flesh and all of its impulses and desires, but be controlled and motivated by who we are in spirit. Okay, look at what it says. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And put on the new man. Which is renewed in knowledge. How is it renewed? It's wonderful to have manifestations of the spirit. And miracles and signs and wonders. And, and that's great. But this man. This growth comes by what understanding. By knowledge. After the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcision or uncircumcision. Uh, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is in is all and in all. Put on. You're taking something off, you're putting something on. As the elect of God, what? Holy and beloved bowels of mercies. That's called compassion deep from within your soul for other human beings. Let's let's just take a moment just to think about what people have gone through recently with all the attacks, the terrorism, trucks running over people's bodies, people being blown up, and the list goes on and on and on. How does that affect you in your heart? How does that affect you? There should be inward bowels of mercies and kindness where your heart goes out to these people that have suffered great loss. You know, because you can't feel the pain on the outside doesn't mean we shouldn't feel it on the inside. And say, Oh, my heart. That's what it means about bowels of compassion deep within your soul, deep seated within your heart. You reach out, Oh, my goodness, here we are living a wonderful life in America, and these people are going through these kinds of situations. Put on kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any have, man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness or spiritual maturity. Notice the list that he lists out there for us. Put away from you these things. Don't allow these things to control your life. So if we want to gauge our spiritual growth and development, Look at those things and say, uh-uh, anger, I'm putting you off. Malice, I'm putting you off. Bitterness, I'm putting you off. Unforgiveness, I'm putting you off. I may feel like I want to be bitter, but I'm not going to be bitter. I may feel like lashing out in anger, but I'm not going to do that. When the devil tells you, don't give, don't support, don't, don't you know, you talk, talk right back to him and just say, I'm giving because I know it just upsets you to no end. And you're crazy and out of your mind, I'm not going to listen to you and be the same way you are. I'm going to give from a heart filled with love for God, love for humanity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then also, uh, I do believe it requires humility and discipline. Because you see, this outward man wants to stick up its head and just say, I want to rule your life. Be honest with yourself. Is your flesh more in control of your life or is your spirit that's been educated in the things of God? Someone says, well, is it right to do this? Is it okay to do that? Guess what? You shouldn't have to answer that question. Ask that question. You should know within your heart what's right and what's wrong. Read your Bible. You'll find out. For example, don't let... Some, someone says, well, so I said a little swear word here and there. Okay, okay. Am I going to go to hell for swearing? No, I'm not going to go to hell for swearing. But does that represent Christ the way he wants you to represent him? Does it? So put away from your mouth what? Evil communication. Don't let it proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good did edify and that minister grace did hear. Right? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we're sealed the day of redemption. So it's not putting anybody down. It's just saying, if you want to grow spiritually, look at these things and just say, I'm going to make it a point in my life to say, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I want to grow in God. I want God to take over my life and manifest himself, not just in me, but through me to touch the hearts and lives of other people as I live my life upon the earth. Now there are five, or four or rather, Greek words for love here. And just in case some be with us that never heard these before, just quickly we'll go over them. Um, eros is the first Greek word because when we talk about love, we're talking about something that kind of is foreign to all of us. We all know the first one, eros, it's erotic. It's where we get our word erotic from, eroticism and all that. And it's talking about a physical attraction. It's talking about a natural human love. It's talking about a sexual uh, affection and that sort of thing. And of course, when, when a guy sees a girl and she's pretty and vice versa, she sees a guy and he's handsome, and so on they have those feelings oh my goodness look at how nice look at how handsome look at how beautiful etc etc that's all natural nothing wrong with that but that can be taken to an extreme we understand that but that's a part of love so in the greek we understand that that word means a physical attraction and god designed it to be that way it's that way by design secondly we have the word story and the word story talks about i can define it better as by saying compatibility you make yourself compatible compatible with your spouse Okay, if you're not compatible in certain areas with people, then it can create distance between those people. And you know what? Sometimes we have a difficult time experiencing, let's just say, friendships because we think differently and maybe we have different goals and different whatever in life. But you know what? That shouldn't cause us to separate. It shouldn't. You make yourself compatible, especially in a marital relationship, if you want it strengthened, make yourself compatible with each other, be compatible. And that's what he's talking about here. Find areas that you, let's say, agree on. Find areas where you are compatible and feed that. And areas that you aren't, then dismiss those or deal with them in a proper way. So when I love you, it means, yes, I am attracted to you. You're you're physically, you know, pleasing to the eye. But secondly, I'm making myself compatible with you. And listen, ladies, football season's right around the corner. (laughs) Heads up, okay? You want to win them over? Want to get them to some jo- some um, you know jobs around the house? Keep that in mind, honey. I'll watch this game with you if you'll fix the door with, for me. Keep it in mind. Make yourself compatible with each other, and then you've got phileo. That's brotherly love, and that's where we get our word Philadelphia from, brotherly love. And what that really is is love that is responsive. Oh, the dating, the dating let's say, stage of a relationship when you're dating each other. And what? Oh, you respond in such... Isn't it wonderful to watch? We call it puppy love. We watch these people just... You know, she bought, he, he bought me a flower, so I bought him a shirt. And she scratched my back, so I scratched hers. And she talked nice to me, and I talked nice to her. And it's just back and forth and back and forth. We call it puppy love and holding hands and all that. And it's just so wonderful. But the moment... She hollered at him, he hollered right back at her because this kind of love is responsive. It's responsive. You f- resp- it's based on feelings and emotions. How many of your feelings and emotions can change in a heartbeat? Sure they can. So that's another form of love. And like I said, as long as it's doing good to the other person, you holler at me, I'll holler at you. If it changes, that's how it is. It's just responsive. And that's the kind of love that most people really have in the natural world. But there's another form of love. That does not come from the heart of man. It comes from the heart of Almighty God. Because God is love. It's called agape. Agape is a new kind of love. A revelation of love. That transcends all other ideas or definitions of love. This is the love of God. This is a love that's aggressive. This is a love that's not based on feeling and emotion. This is a love that's based on decision and principle. This is a love that just pours out of the heart of Almighty God. It is unconditional. It's not based on who you are, how you live, what you do. It's not based on what you have done to me. It's based on only what I can do for you. It is unconditional, agape, divine love that we're to grow in. It's the love of God. And so it's important that we understand these different Greek words for love so that we can better understand how we can grow in the kind of love that God wants us to grow in and grow spiritually. Now, in the Old Testament, look at John 13. This is the command to love. First of all, the command to love. Look at John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. What's the new commandment of the New Testament? That you love one another as I love you. By this shall all men know that you have, uh, that you're my disciple, that you have love one to another. So how does, God, how does people know that we love God? Because we love one another. and That's the acid test. That's how we, we love, we know God. Okay. The Old Testament gave us 10 commandments that taught us how to love God. Taught the people how to love God back then. The first four, think about it, only four commandments were given to teach people how to love God. Number one, put God first. Number two, worship God alone. Number three, don't misuse his name. And number four, what was number four? Keep the Sabbath holy. In other words, join together with other believers in a setting where God can manifest Himself among you in a wonderful and powerful way. Okay, that's all. That's all. Put God first. Worship Him alone. Don't misuse His name. Boy, you never hear anybody say, "Oh, Buddha." Have you ever, have you, anybody hear that? Whether it's a television program or whatever, is people in conversation? Oh, Muhammad. I've never heard that in all my years. Have you ever heard that? Why is it always the name of our Lord that's used? Why? The devil hates that name. You realize that? Keep it holy. It's holy. And remember the Sabbath day to keep holy as well. In other words, we need to be together like this to be inspired, to encourage, to sharpen one another. In the things of God. And that's why we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But that's all. He is saying show me that you love me. Jesus said those that love me keep my commandments. And he that loves me not doesn't keep my commandments. Four simple commandments. Then the next six talk about loving people on the planet. Starts with your parents. Honor them. This is the right thing to do. Then thou shalt not what? Kill. Kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness or don't lie about people, make up stories, and thou shalt not covet what other people have. Those last six talk about loving people. So love God, love people, but in the New Testament, we've been given one commandment, and that one commandment encompasses all the other ten commandments and fulfills them. Just one commandment, and what is that commandment? To love as I have loved you. Look in the book of Romans chapter 13, beginning at verse 8, what it says. So we're to love as he loved us. Owe no man anything but to love one another. In other words, we are indebted to love people. You're in debt to love people. You're indebted to love people. So am I. I owe it to him, in other words. I owe it to him who loved me to love you. I owe it to him. It's like having to pay a bill. Do you pay your light bill when it comes? Do you pay your heating bill when it comes? Trust me, we paid the air conditioning bill. It may not be working right now, but we did pay the bill, right? It's been paid for. Okay. So we owe it to him to love one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if you keep the one commandment to love, you've fulfilled all 10 of the Old Testament commandments. And what about this? Jesus raised the bar. Jesus raised love's bar. When he said, don't love now as I've, as You love yourself, but love as I have loved you. Because you see, back then there was no example to follow. There was no model. There's no template. But now there is. How did you love me, Jesus? Ask yourself the question. How did he love me? He loved me by emptying himself. See, sometimes we don't realize this. It took the emptying of himself. He was quite well sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high before he came to the earth. Everything was fine. But he saw us in our state that we were in and said, I can't leave humanity to an eternal lake of fire. And so he emptied himself and became a man And said, greater love is no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And so he went to a cross where he suffered and died and took upon himself all that we were, all our sin, sickness, disease, mental anguish, and the curse. He became all that for us, our sin nature. He took upon him, all that upon himself to liberate all of us. Love as I have loved you. Pour yourself out, in other words, for each other. uh, In the home as well. And then notice this. Empowered to love. How in the world can I love the way he loved me? If I'm not equipped to do so. Well I'm glad you asked. Because in the book of Romans chapter 5. and verse 5. What does it say? And hope makes not a shame. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Where's the love of God? The agape divine love of God. When you got born again. Was shed abroad in your heart. Where is it? It's here on the inside. What's it wanting to do? Escape and just manifest through us so that we can love as we've been loved by God. Now, in in 1 John, you'll see this scripture. It, it, It really shows us that having the love of God in your heart is the acid test that you've been born again. We know that we've passed from death to life. Why? Because we give tithes. Uh-uh, because we pray in the Spirit. No, no. Because we go to church on Sunday. No. Well, then how do we know we pass from death to life? Because you love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We owe it to him. We, the word ought means we owe it to him. Say it with me, I owe it to my Lord. To lay down my life life. for for the brethren. Oh, my goodness. Notice it takes humility and discipline. How we should be so humbled before God and so disciplined to say, I owe this to my Savior. I owe this to my Redeemer. He did that for me, and I owe it to him to do it for everybody else. So anywhere you go and everywhere you go, that is to be in your consciousness. Yes, people are going to mistreat you, but you know what? Don't respond. The way they would want you to respond in the natural, because you're not growing in love. But if you respond in a different way, it shows that you're growing in the love of God. You're growing in God. Remember my story over there at the uh, cleaners? When that guy chewed me out, raked me over the coals, and made me feel shorter than I am right now? Remember that? And I wanted to lash out. My flesh was boiling. My blood was boiling. I was perspiring and all that. I wanted to lash back and tell him I didn't do what he accused me of doing and all that. And let my flesh just take control. And my, thank God my mind wasn't unrenewed. And I just stood there, looked up at that six foot four guy and, and said to him, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You would think I hit him with a, a sledgehammer or something. Knocked him in the head or something. He just immediately got quiet, didn't say another word, just stood there looking, and finally did his thing and left. And the clerk that was working there she says, I really appreciate the way you handled that. See, the devil wants to tarnish our testimony, ruin our witness, and make us ineffective as far as touching other people's lives. And if you laugh, how'd you like that? Pastor goes berserk in the cleaners. (laughs) And the congregation is split over it. Some are shouting, Hallelujah, glory to God. And the others are saying, Oh, how could he do that? Oh, my goodness. Let's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Your, my flesh is like your flesh. Your flesh would want to lash out. But he said, don't do that. Don't do that. Let love control you. It's like pouring heaping coals of fire on their head when you do it. Look at the last point. It's describing God's love. It's a description of it. So we can better understand it. So we can emulate it. Okay, first of all, this love. This love of God is something that probably we can't define, we can't understand. You just have to know you have it. It's in you. It's there. The potential to love as he loved us is there. But if we put these words to it, and they all begin with un, then maybe it'll help us better understand how we can love the way God wants us to love. So first and foremost, God's love is what? Unspeakable. It's unspeakable. In other words, you're at a loss for words. It's inexpressible. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. It is unspeakable. It is beyond words. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. God so loved the world that he gave the world a gift. And who's the gift? Jesus. So say with me, God's love is unspeakable. You're at a loss for words. It's inexpressible. You can't articulate that kind of love. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to understand and to walk in. Secondly, it is unending. In Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, this love that God has for all of us, it is unending. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. How does God draw us to himself? With loving kindness. It's the goodness of God that leads a person to repentance. So rather than using the hellfire brimstone method of preaching where you start saying everybody's going to hell, so you might as well just get it right with God so you can go to heaven. What about telling people just how good God is? How wonderful God is? How much he's done for you that you might not be aware of? You see, because everybody's on that road to eternal separation and eternal damnation. Everyone that's born into the world is on that road. But God doesn't want that for them. So he made provisions for that. And he will love that person from the moment that he's born into the moment that he leaves this realm of life and wherever he spends his eternity. This love is unending. It will always be there for that person. And that person will know it throughout eternity that God loved you that much that he gave his son for you. You'll know it. And then thirdly, it is unselfish. This love is unselfish. First Corinthians 13, verse 6, that's the love chapter. And it says rejoice not iniquity, but rejoices in truth. And as you go on and read, it's, it's in the Amplified Bible, it says it's not self-seeking. It doesn't seek itself. And the truth is Jesus came to this earth not seeking himself, not seeking his own will, not seeking doing his own way, but he came to do the Father's will. He came to do it the Father's way. He came to represent love In its absolute sense. In other words. There's not one thing he did. To promote himself. That is almost unthinkable. Isn't it? So love doesn't seek its own. It is not self-seeking. It's not selfish. It's unmerited number four. First John four. It's unmerited. In other words. You didn't do anything to earn it. And neither did I. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Aren't you glad he first decided to love you? You love him only because he first loved you. If he didn't love you, you wouldn't have the means by word even to know him, let alone love him. And then lastly, it is unconditional. This love is unconditional. Look at Romans chapter 5. And I love these verses of scripture because this is what helps people better understand God's love. When people say, to you well if God really loved me then God really loved me then and they name all these different things he would do this or he would do that well guess what God really loves you really really loves you for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man would one die yet peradventure for a good man someone even dare to die but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were what? Sinners. This is the introduction of God's love for all mankind. It has nothing to do with us. He died for us when we were sinners. It's unconditional. It's not based on anything that I've done or that you have done. You can't merit it. But I'll tell you what. It is absolutely powerful. That love has drawn all of us to be here today. And that love has drawn all of us to help the Valdez family. And that love has, will draw us this afternoon to go see Brother Dale Cooper when we leave here today at 1 o'clock at Arnors between 1 and 3 and 4 and 6 tonight. And also the others. There's others as well, but we don't have any uh, times for these individuals. But you know what? If you're not concerned and not growing in love, then... We'll just have a selfish day and just do what we want to do. Not being concerned about somebody else's uh, life and what they're going through and what they're experiencing. It shouldn't be we have to twist anyone's arm to support someone. Right? It should be a prompting of the love of God that's in your heart. And that will promote your spiritual growth and development. And we all have the same fight to fight. So in conclusion, I want you to see this verse in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. Love is the mark of spiritual maturity. So if I'm growing in love, I am growing in God. But then also, Jesus demonstrated that love. How? By giving his life for us. Becoming sin for us. By taking our sickness, carrying our pains. On that cross, becoming the curse for us. Saving us by his grace, redeeming us with his redeeming love. He did all this for us. He emptied himself and poured himself out for us so that this could be fulfilled. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. Notice he will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You know what that means? He has saved you by the precious blood and life of his son love went the limit fully expressing itself in acts of mercy and kindness it means that Jesus who is love God is love was love personified who walked on the earth as love in manifestation everything he said everything he did every action every reaction was prompted and motivated by love for mankind he never once was selfish and did anything for himself, but did everything to please the Father and love mankind. And on that cross, when he became sin for all of us, it was love's limit going all the way to empty of it's himself of who he is, which is love. And when he paid that price and was raised from the dead on the third day, Love arose victorious over death, hell, the grave, selfishness, self-centeredness, pride, arrogance, and just being willfully rebellious against God. All rebellion died with him, and then he was raised victorious over it all. Jesus said, there's no greater love than this, than what he did. He says, now you owe it to me. You owe it to me to love as I have loved you. And he's resting in it. What does that mean? This is absolutes, right? There's not one more little smidgen of love that can pour out of him that hadn't already been poured out of him. That's it. Emptied. Resting means it's complete. It's done. I'm just going to sit back and watch my loving kindness draw men to me. Come on. That's how much I love you. Just come on. Now love one another. As I've loved you men will know you're my disciple and they'll come too. let's all stand together before the Lord hi Pastor Bill here I want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school if you're a teenager or a young adult we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.